It's time for Honest Reflection in Youth Ministry. Whether you are 19 and are just getting started or have been serving in ministry for 19 years, we hope this weekly dose of honesty and humor helps. Welcome to After 9, the most honest conversation in youth ministry. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 95 of After 9. If you hear some playful clatter in the background, that's Isaiah who's about to turn 2, getting into all kinds of trouble in the kitchen. Well, we hope you enjoy this episode in our author series, our Back to School Summer Author Series, where our good buddy Brock Morgan talks about his latest book and his journey in youth ministry which you can find in the after9.show slash contest book prize package that we're giving away. Check it out, after9.show slash contest. More at the end. Here's Brock Morgan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another interview episode of After 9 with one of my favorite youth ministry people. I We, we talked about it for the last few weeks, but I got to tell you, something about having the right size youth ministry book that's relevant and in some ways evergreen. And so we've got an author today, but also a youth minister that understands what it means coming to us all the way from the East Coast, my friend and yours, Mr. Brock Morgan. Everybody give it up for Brock. How you doing today, sir? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Well, we are excited to have you on the show. Like, I'm just, I'm happy to pick your brain, man. I just feel like I just wanted to have this session of us talking and asking you questions and learning more about what you think about youth ministry. Because every time I read stuff that you write or that you're sharing, I love it. I dig it. It's good stuff. So, well, you're you're uh, too kind, man. I'm just, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, don't you just love what we do, though? It's the, uh, it's the absolute dream, dream gig. It is. It is. Uh, it's you know. It's it's something special. There's something special to it. But for those of us that are maybe on the fence today, Brock, because maybe we had a rough Wednesday or we had a long Sunday, why in the world did you get into it? Okay, we're in it. We've we've pressed through to the other side. But give us the origin story. How did the superhero Brock Morgan first get into youth ministry? Well, to be honest, it it really goes back. To uh, Little Mermaid. So you can thank uh, <laughs> The Little Mermaid for that. 1980s Disney, That's say right. more. That's right. So I was uh, like 18, 19 years old, a freshman in college. Okay. And I was uh, uh, actually the president of our college asked if uh, I'd be willing to meet with him, he and a group of my friends, Thursday mornings for breakfast. And so the, okay. the, when a president of a school is like, hey, you want to hang out Thursday mornings, I'm buying breakfast, that's a yes. Absolutely. Yes, that's, that, is, that is a presidential yes. Even though it was like morning, <laughs> like early, we like to sleep in. But, dude, we were up for that. But he was completely ruining my life plan with how he was discipling us. And okay. So, uh, which is what happens, right? We kind of God kind of enters the picture and completely ruins all of our plans. And um, and so one day I asked him. Now at this time I was a PE major because I wanted to play dodgeball the rest of my life. Okay. So <laughs> you had no like resonance for youth ministry at no, all. Like, no, oh, oh, I was oh, not. Okay. It was not on my radar. <laughs> Standing thought, on the edge, unbeknownst <laughs> to you. Yeah. No, you know, PE. That you know, be a coach. That sounded like fun to me. Sports. Um, I was you know decent. I was a decent athlete, and uh, and so. That was on my right. Plus, my dad actually, my dad was a youth pastor, and he was really good. 
So okay. I kind of okay. felt like I needed to blaze my own trail. Fair. You know, okay. If, it's like okay. if your dad's a medical doctor, you can't. It's like eh, right. I, I got to do something else. You know, at least you can't for make me, this a family practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless you can inher- inherit the family practice with act- act- without actually going to medical school, which uh, right <laughs> that would be. I don't want to go to that doctor, but um, <laughs> yeah, that disaster. <laughs> I don't know why, but I guess because my dad was uh, such a great youth worker, I. I don't know why. I just felt that it wasn't okay. it was not thought, on my yeah. radar um, okay. at the time. But I asked this uh, the the school's president what he saw in me one day. You know, it was one of those moments like, man, the way you're talking about the kingdom and the way you're talking about what it really means to follow Jesus is wrecking me. And so I was like, Doctor Brown, what do you like? What do you see in me? And he goes, Do you really want to know? And I was like. Heck yeah, like, come on. Yeah, like, tell me. And he goes, well, I think you'd be an amazing youth pastor. And when he said that, I swear I heard the Little Mermaid music. You know, it was, the total, I think he may have been levitating, I'm not sure. But it felt, I immediately, it so resonated um, that I, uh, I knew that's what I wanted to do, and I knew that's what God had called okay. me to. And the next day, I was uh, uh, volunteering in Young Life. That was 27 years ago. Man, <laughs> Young Life moves fast, don't they? They do. <laughs> if our listeners are out there involved in Young Life, it always seems like once they hear you, they you, they recruit they recruit better than anybody, right? Like you can just whisper out loud. Process. I didn't have to fill out an application. <laughs> They're like, dude, yes. Boom! Fast tracked. You're in. <laughs> I love it. Just people walking down the street going, you know, I think I ought to be involved in young life. And then magically the next week they're transported and they're like helping to lead a group. I love it. No, that's good. That's good. (laughs) Well, I love, I love that story because it's not, it's not, I mean, it's a call story, but it's someone who almost like named the call on your life instead of you having this like, you know, this wrestling, like, like Jacob at Penile moment of like, okay, you win. It's more like, no, you in the crowd, like, man, Dr. Brown, like that's that's like a Jesus moment of like calling you out of the booth, well, man. And, that's and amazing. The good news is, is that after I thought about it, I thought, and as a youth pastor, I'll still get to play dodgeball, so it all works out. It all <laughs> the dream lives the, on. The dream, the dream right. continues. I'm telling you, there's nothing like playing dodgeball with middle schoolers. It's the best. It's just like. It is a biological, like, wonder show. It really is. I mean, there's just, like, the kid who has progressed further than everyone else, just destroying people, and her name is Heather, and she's amazing. It's, just, <laughs> it's the girl that's tall and has the oh, arm because yeah. she's been playing softball, and the squealy boys are running oh, away. Well, high school kids great. now can so beat good. me at everything, so I just uh, – any comp- competitive stuff, I just I'll, I'll I'll go play with the middle schoolers. Right, <laughs> I'll, I'll go ref again. Right. Ref again. Right. Oh, that's good. That that's an amazing call story. But what uh, kind of in the history of because you've been serving in and around and a part of the enterprise of youth ministry for I don't I don't want to guess and, and, and be mean or be wrong, but but decades. Yeah. Well, it's Can been we twenty seven years that I have uh, been in uh, a youth worker. You know, that was like 1990. I go back to about 1990. Oh, that's, I mean, that's those are the, those are those are the years, right? Like, how old were you in 1990? Uh, I was five years old. Five years old. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I, I mean, I'm sure it's hard to pick, but over the, the the 27 years of serving in youth ministry, if you could like 
distill or give us like one like kind of kernel of like this is my favorite moment ever like what is your yaconelli story that you will always tell <laughs> ah. well when uh like what is my like go to like uh my, like what what is like, like what is the one that like like caps it off that like this one I always come back to it and it's always good well you know there is one st- uh, maybe from a a youth worker I have the stories that I tell students um, that are like my go-to, but um, I was thinking about like some failure stories. Like when you first asked the okay. question, I thought there are, uh, you know, it's easy to to talk about all the amazing like youth ministry moments I've seen, but there's also those failure moments I don't want to relive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so that was the first thing that popped into my mind is I was um, I was in. Uh, I was a youth pastor in California for many years, and I was invited to um, speak at a school assembly. And I had never been to the school. It was about, honestly, it was about 45 minutes from our church. And uh, one of the kids in our youth group went to it, and he wrote on a napkin how to get to it. Just some, you know, hey, turn right at the cow, you know, left at the pine tree um, direction. So I... I completely yeah. get lost. I end up on the uh, the interstate going about, I went about 15 miles past my exit, and I realize it, and so I just start flying. And I'm going way over the speed limit. I get off the exit. I come across the on-ramp, get back on, going the other way. And at this point, my wife's in the car with me, and she says, Honey, um, like you need to slow down. You're going to get pulled over. And I... I, I look at her and I'm like, baby, no one's going to pull me over. Like I'm uh, this confident, like arrogant. There's no way I'll get pulled over. We're fine. And I just felt all this pressure because mm. I was start, I was going to be late for the uh, speaking gig. Yeah. And I'm just flying. All of a sudden, my wife is uh, a, a genius and uh, her prophecy <laughs> comes true. Cop pulls us over. I pull over on the side of the road. He walks up to Kelsey's window. Now, I have to tell you that what the school asked me to come speak on was uh, the topic personal responsibility. So I am at this point probably 10 minutes late for this speaking gig. I'm talking on personal responsibility, and I've just been pulled over by a cop. He walks up to my wife's window. She rolls down her window. He reaches through, points at me, and says, buddy, get out of the car. You're going to jail. And immediately, I uh, I was, I like, she immediately started crying, and I immediately had this, like, panic over me. You know, I do not want to go to jail. So I get out of the car. He's getting his handcuffs from his belt. And I look at him and I say, officer, you can't arrest me. I'm a youth pastor and I'm supposed to speak at the school down the road on personal responsibility. You cannot do this. And so he looks at me, kind of pauses and says, okay, get back in the car. And he writes a ticket. Tells me how to get to the school, and my heartbeat is just pounding. I walk in literally as they are introducing me. They didn't even know if I was in the room or not. I walk into the gym, and I just walked right out of the parking lot into the gym, onto the stage, and I was still in a panic. 
And uh, people are like, well, did you use that story as an analogy of personal responsibility? And I was like, hell no. <laughs> like, no way. Like, I was still freaking out in that moment. Like, I was not ready to use that story. But I, I, I think of all the stupid I've been a part of. And um, that would have been a career changer being arrested, I think. But um, it's just so funny. Never uh, trust a, a directions on a napkin from a 15-year-old boy. Fair, fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that uh, well, obviously was not the night that ended your time in youth ministry. But, Mr. Morgan, was there ever a night that you almost quit? We always ask this because we feel like in youth ministry, we've all had that moment where everything went wrong or it felt too overwhelming or we felt too ganged up on, beat up on, and we thought, you know what, this is probably it, and we're just going to go ahead and hang these church keys up and uh, close it down one more time and never come back. So for you, was there ever or when was that night that you almost quit? Still in it, 27 years of youth ministry, but was there a night that you oh, almost sure. quit? Um, multiple times where I have felt mm. overwhelmed, not supported, um, dry, like super dry, criticized, underpaid, with no nothing in sight of any kind of significant raise, mm. red tape, and kind of the HR business people of the church uh, all over. I mean, there, there's been there's been so many. So many things. Um, I, 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 man, there's been so many times. All right, I'll give you. I'll give you one story. When I, um, okay, um, I was in a church and I was being annihilated by uh, my supervisor, and um, and all they cared about was numbers. You know that that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So they would literally come into. I would be up front speaking in front of the youth group, and they would walk in and count heads. Um, to see how many kids were at were at youth group, and it was not not checking the report after the night, but yeah, actually yeah, going to go ahead trusting, and verify not trusting mid- the, the report. Um, wow. And it was uh, it was oppressive. You know, you're up front, and you're trying to mm. disciple, equip, speak into the hearts and minds of students, and you have this person who is counting heads while you're preaching. And teaching, and then every meeting you have is with uh, the the time I almost quit. Um, was I came back from a mission trip? We had just taken more kids than our church had ever had before, and it was an amazing and and God did amazing things. And all my supervisor, I come back and I'm like, oh my gosh, our mission trip was incredible. Let me tell you about it. And he goes, wait, before you tell me that, how many kids again did you take? I tell him. He goes. So how can we get double that next year? I had, was in my first year at this church, and so I just kind of took it. I was naive. I didn't. I was like, oh, uh, and he made it clear next year I need you to have double. So the next year we go, mm-hmm. and I have triple the amount of kids on this mission trip. Um, way surpassed the number. But again, God really did an amazing yeah, yeah. thing. I go in. This is a year later. Same conversation. So, Brock, how can we get double th- next year? And I looked at him and I was like, you know what? I just don't think this is working. I can't like I can't live uh, I can't live like this. And mm. it, and and it was stealing the joy. Um, youth minute. I mean, mm. th- the church should be the best place in the world to work at. And I felt nothing yeah, yeah. but a pit in my stomach. 
you know how kids get that pit in their stomach Sunday nights when they realize, oh, crap, school's tomorrow? Like, you know, it's like around 8 o'clock and you're like hanging out and all of a sudden you're like, oh, school's tomorrow, crap. <laughs> I felt that way every night about going to work the next day. And just a pit in my stomach. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel cared for. I felt like a cog in a machine. And uh, I was doing my best, man. And nothing was ever good enough. And um, and they definitely weren't paying me enough to go through that kind of hell. And um, yeah. But for me, uh, pressing on and continuing was uh, a, a difficulty. And, um, but man, I have, I have a few of these stories. I even have a recent one where I was like, what am I doing? And, um, I think all youth workers at times feel this way. Like, man, is there something else I could be doing? You know, do you, do you, do you mind sharing that a little bit? Cause I think for a lot of our listeners, uh, what you're sharing about like the pit in your stomach, like, did I even get paid enough for this? Like, I think some folks hear that and they're like, that's. That's part of the first three years. That's the growing pains. And for you, that's a 27-year vet that's still having those moments of like not questioning it at all, but like questioning maybe like the context or the circumstances. Would you share that more recent story a little bit with us maybe of like even now, 20-plus years into this, you're still wondering if it's like are we done here? No, I think um, feelings? we all at times feel that. I mean I, I – I talk to I meet with youth, work, uh, youth workers all the time um, in our network meetings and hanging out with buddies and um, yeah I have at times felt like is there any other way that because I, I have this love for the kids and this passion for the next generation that never has wavered I've never mm. even gotten tired of sleeping on floors on mission trips. Or, you know, going and watching kids' yeah. uh, soccer games or recitals or yeah. sitting across the table with them at Starbucks and just listening to their hearts. And that I've never grown weary of that. But I've grown weary of the reports. I've grown, we're, grown weary of the paperwork. I've grown weary of the church making up rules that, you know, based on the game we played the night before that may have put a stain on the carpet or whatever. Yeah. You know, I've grown weary yeah. of sitting yeah. in meetings where I'm just uh, uh, being treated like uh, I work at IBM. Dude, this is not IBM. This is a church. Yeah. It, it, it's about representing yeah. and extending the reign of Jesus. And his reign is sweet and light. And, um, and mm. so for me, I just uh, – I've never lost the calling but working in the mechanism of the church at times have has almost killed me. Um, I've had sleepless nights. Mm. I've had stress-induced panic attacks. Um, and mm. in those moments, I've had to reevaluate who I have let have power over me. And I was walking mm. – uh, I once a week I go for a hike. It keeps me sane. And um, – you know, I never hear the audible voice of God, but he he speaks to us many times for me through through my own thoughts. And I was uh, hiking about this is like six months ago around this lake here in Washington D.C. And um, I sense God say, "Brock, have I ever asked you to trust anyone?" Hmm. And I thought, hmm. "Well, that's a funny question." Like I would guess 
I would guess, yeah. I mean, you want us to trust people, right? Like that. And yeah. I, then I started racking my brains through all the scriptures. And I couldn't think of a single scripture that said trust in people. It, mm-hmm. And I kind of went, mm-hmm. well, God, I don't know that you, you know, I don't really know the answer to that. But, uh, and then I, my thought, you know, he spoke through, to me again through my thoughts. And it, he was like, well, Brock, I've never asked you to trust anyone. I asked you to trust me. I asked you to love and serve people. Mm-hmm. Do that. Love and serve them with all your heart, yeah. with all your mind, with all your strength. I want you to do that. But trust me. Like, place your trust in me, your hope mm-hmm. in me. And, and for me, it was like this huge burden was like, okay, I'm not going to. Um, it's not that I'm going to mistrust people. But I'm my highest trust when difficulty comes is going to be in the reality that God is good. He's for me. He's with me. And um, that has mm. kept me in the game. These consistent kind of times where God comes and he speaks to my heart and he reminds me who I am. And, uh, you know, I just I'm dying to work in a place. I'm dying for the church to be a place that is generous. That is um, hmm. where people are fighting to work at because it's just so healthy yeah. <laughs> and full of joy and grace. Like when you mess up, it's like, of course you messed up. Like we, 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 like we totally get that. We messed up, you know, kind of the me too thing when you mess up. Oh, dude, I mess up too. Yeah. Like it, hmm. like that's the way the church is yeah. supposed to be. And for me, it's been a hmm. battle to stay in it. And for whatever reason, God has kept me in the church. Like I've mostly just only worked Mm. in the church. I did some young life stuff for a few years, but honestly it was just, it wasn't parachurch. My career has been mostly church work and it has been grueling, dude, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I just believe in the local church. And that's, that's a powerful story because I think that's one of the things that we come back to a lot with with our with our conversation with our listeners and with our guests is no no matter how um, unfair or um, misguided the the church whether that that means a specific pastor or colleague or parent or board of deacons elders or otherwise there still is that like nurtured belief that the church ought to be even though it's full of broken people better people right like like not not that we're um better from the get-go but better because of our um recognition and reconciliation with our brokenness and there just seems to be um that that constant struggle that the people of this church don't always embody from the top down from staff to to congregational folks the same kind of things they want to project on everybody else right like it's the we 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 aren't we aren't the people that we want everybody else to be, and it has to start with that kind of inward reflection. And so, it's 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 powerful to hear you share um, the practice of hiking and taking that week, uh, that walk a week. Uh, one of the things that we always want to hear from from our guests on the show for our listeners to help connect with is is kind of that processing bit. So we call it our after nine question. So may, maybe it's after Sundays or after like the midweek is over and you're locking up and it's typically about nine o'clock at night and you're heading home, driving, walking, whatever. Like wh- where where do you kind of go? How, how do you, from the week to week stuff? Like 
everything's over. Maybe the pit has, has released or like the clinch is like softened. Um, where, where do you go kind of mentally, physically to kind of process after like a kind of big youth ministry happening? Um, you know, so, so for me, you know, after a youth group, um, I feel a variety of things. Um, okay, okay. So sometimes I feel like I want to go jump off a every bridge, level. Every you know? level, yeah, yeah. Walk us through. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you're like, dude, I just need to become. So, so I, for me, it's 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 sporadic. Sometimes I'm like, okay. I should be doing something else. I, my wife and okay, I have had okay. this conversation. Like, um, maybe I should be a UPS driver. You know, they get to wear shorts and. Uh, <laughs> You know, they're listening to right. ESPN radio all day. I could do this. Yeah. You know, like what? You know, they get, they get, their, they get their vehicle paid for. Right, right. And, you know, so there are those times where I'm like, what are we doing? You know, and mm. I think when I feel those nights, it's because I don't feel, I feel like we have settled just a good youth group and producing good boys and girls. And, you know, the faith has been framed as kind of sin management and we're just playing church and we're entertaining kids. And, but are we really making a difference in their lives? And sometimes I walk away going like, what are we doing? Is this, is this what we're doing? Mm. Um, So in those moments, I, uh, I kind of am like, okay. And I feel, I feel the frustration of that. My personality is Oh, also, I just think that the faith is a movement. And when I was a kid, I can tell you how I felt. I invited Christ into my life when I was 13 years old. And when I was 13, now I was raised in a a Christian home, but it really made sense to me because the speaker talked about how the faith was a movement. It was Mm. really what he talked about was transcendence, which is about being a part of something bigger than yourself. The faith yeah, was, yeah. required everything, and there would be difficulty at times, but that we were in this together, and it was this communal movement. And at 13, I was like, well, dude, sign me up because this is what I've been longing for my whole life. Yeah. I want to be yeah. a part of a, 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 of a faith that actually is making a difference in the world, that's making a difference in my day-to-day. Like That's what I wanted. But then after that, they just told me to sit down in rows and watch people on stage for the rest of my life. And I, that the faith, mm-hmm. the faith ended up being something I observed, or uh, mm. and so I felt like I was a a team, a football. I was a part of a football team in the locker room that never actually got into the field, except for maybe once a year on a mission trip. And so on those nights where I feel like, dude, we could be doing so much more. I'm frustrated by that, and I want to go uh, be a, a UPS driver, <laughs> you know. But then there are those nights. When I feel like kids are getting it and leaders are getting it and it's leading to something that makes a difference on Monday morning and um, it's make, we're making a difference in the community and in that things are happening, dude, I, uh, mm. I, I mean, I, I, I'm pumped. Like I can't sleep that night. I'm so wired. I, it's still yeah. like, like yeah, to this yeah. day when I go do campus ministry, so I'll go visit campus, uh, local high schools, middle schools. And when I walk out of those schools every day, I am elated. Like, I'm never happier than, dude, we, we're doing it. Like, we're making a difference here. We're serving here. We're blessing this school. We're blessing our, our community. For me, I'm like Cartwheel City. So um, 
Those are my two thoughts. I'm either like okay, depressed yeah, yeah, yeah. or elated. That's how I sound kind of bipolar. I'm not sure. <laughs> Just want to make sure and cover all the spectrum. Not at the same time, but definitely over the course of a season. Yeah. I mean, don't we all have like after some youth groups, you're like, what in the world are we doing? And then other ones were like, right. oh, my gosh, we're getting it. Like we're getting this. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> Well, maybe in a way that only you would hear yourself say. You had a time machine. I mean, you had a Dr. Brown earlier involved. So if you had a time machine, Marty, what is one thing you would go back in time and tell your first year youth ministry self uh, that maybe only you could get through to you? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I'll just go with what pops into my brain. Um, I would tell myself to be a father. I, okay. I feel like we have a generation of um, kids who are – they have kind of orphan hearts. And mm-hmm. um, I would tell myself to be a father, not a big brother, you know, but to love these kids like a father would, like a, a father we always dreamed of. And um, mm. love well. To be patient, to be gentle, to uh, um, to want what's best, to have uh, a long term vision, um, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would tell myself to be a sage, uh, uh, a father. Even my young self can step into the role of, even if a kid is just four years younger than me, five years younger than me. I uh, yeah. they are. I can point them with the way I lead them to the heart of the father. And, um, Hmm. I mean, I think that's what we're, what we do. We kids need sages. They need, uh, people with wisdom in life, people who aren't threatened by their doubts, people who aren't threatened by, Hmm. um, what they're thinking at their, as their 15 year old self, but they have their patient and their journey and are walking beside people. And they kind of see them and view them like the best father we could ever imagine would. And I think um, hmm. when we do that, we get they get a glimpse of who God really is. And um, I mean, really, that's the the Christian story is about a father who lost his kids and it broke yeah. his heart. Yeah. And all he wants is to have them back. And so our hmm. role as youth workers is to point them to the to the Creator of the universe, who is who's the best dad on the planet. And we can do that by shepherding, caring for fathering our kids all right mr morgan thank you for your honesty and your sharing on after nine uh we would take that as as it comes as it would as it would lie it's all good words but we called you today because you got a new book and the title alone has me intrigued and maybe you'll tease out some of it but i i i need i need at least a sampling (laughs) i need at least like get me hooked because it's coming out in september you have a book called youth ministry yeah 2027 yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's t- 10 years from now. Most of us can't imagine youth ministry three years from now. So in whatever magic tome or crystal ball, give us give us youth ministry 10 years from now. Because some of us are still hoping to be doing that thing yeah, 10 years from are. now. But uh, we, we need, we need, we need, a, give us, give us some okay, foresight. So, Help us out on this one. All right. It goes back. Should I get, can I give you like the three minute story of how this came about? Absolutely. Okay, we need so, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mark Ostriker, you know him, over at the Youth Cartel, used to work for Youth Specialties. 
um, he published my last couple books and uh, or his organization, okay. the Youth Cartel, which, by the way, no one better. Um, they yeah, uh, good stuff. They he called me and said, "Brock, it's time for another. We want you to write another youth ministry book." And I was like, "I got nothing." <laughs> like I, you know, I. <laughs> Did you, say, did you say no, it to no, him? I, him or just like, like, I have after no idea. Okay. Like, I have a, yeah, I have a book idea, but not a youth ministry book. And he's like, okay, well, okay. we really want you to write another book for us um, for youth workers. And so I was like, well, you guys brainstorm and let me know what you come up with. And we'll just see yeah. what, what resonates. Yeah. So a bunch of them got together, brainstormed. He emailed me five ideas. I hated every single one of them. <laughs> And so I was like, I'm not doing Marco. If you're listening, we're sorry. We're sorry. We hate these. Like that's, that's terrible. I'm not anyway, I can't write a book on that. So I, uh, I went, just give me a couple days, but what came to my mind? I have a friend from Europe, England. So he's in England. He's a youth worker there, but he's, he's an older youth worker who is kind of a, uh, a futurist and a studier of culture. He's one of these brilliant minds. And I was talking with him one day and he looked at me and he said, Brock, just 10 more years. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, dude, right now in Europe, there's a revival happening among teenagers. Like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of kids are coming to Jesus and a movement is happening. A revival is happening. And he's like, the United States has always been about 20 years behind uh, Europe you know, we were they were post Christian okay. in the nineteen fifties and we're we're now entering right, that right. phase. So we've always been behind that. But he said, with the world the way it is and the internet and everything, just hang on. Hmm. In the United States in ten years, there's gonna be a movement. And it's gonna be with the young. And that's what's happening in Europe right now. So that that conversation just like hmm. hit me. Brock, just 10 more years. I couldn't get it out of my mind. Those of you who are thinking about leaving youth ministry, hold on. Just 10, just 10 more years. Yeah. <laughs> 10 more years. <laughs> so I... You, you were worried about making it right. till Christmas. 10 more years. 10 more years so and Brock me, Morgan has got you. I'm yeah, not yeah. predicting. This is not a predict. This isn't a prophetic book. But in my mind, I thought, man, what would need to happen? Because the church isn't ready mm-hmm. for a movement. The church isn't ready okay. for a movement. Okay. The yeah, church yeah. would kill any movement that started by the young because we would want to get in, tr- in control of it. And, yeah. and, you know, this is what right. happened with the Jesus movement of the 1970s is hundreds of thousands of teenagers were coming to know Jesus in the 70s. But then the church got involved and wanted them to cut their hair and to put shoes on and to shape up. And they destroyed the movement. You know, Time magazine right. even had a whole their cover story was about the Jesus people. And, and so this was a real movement that the church, I think, uh, snuffed out. And so what would need to happen for us to be ready for a move of God where we would go away on a camp and it would be so powerful that when we came back home, it wouldn't slowly fizzle out, but it would actually change our community. It would change our schools. It would change, dude, our churches. Like, that's the kind of movement we're talking about. So what would need to take place? And why 2027? Well, in 10 years, it's 2027. But more than that, I've been talking for a couple of years how this is a Thomas generation, how they are, they're, 
because of culture, they're doubting. They have naturally, they're going to doubt the faith as they enter high school, even earlier middle school. Mm. But they're not an they're not angry doubters. They have a, they're like Thomas. They have a they have a tender heart. Mm. They're 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 they have, they have a soft. They just want to know the truth, right? I just want to know what's real. I just want to know what's true. Yeah. yeah. And so Thomas has these doubts. Jesus honors his doubts, ca- calls Thomas into faith. And then Thomas becomes a part of a movement and Thomas ends up traveling to India and planting seven churches in the southern part of India in an area called Kerala, which is still known for being a Christian region. Those seven churches are still going alive well. Like it's an amazing thing. He went and planted an eighth church in a different area. They killed him. That's where he died. But Thomas went moved from hmm. from doubt to faith to a movement, which is what we have to call our kids into. Hmm. Out of doubt into faith and into a movement. And check it out. When Thomas, when I I had this thought and I was like, dude, wouldn't it be cool if chapter twenty verse twenty seven was in the Gospels was uh, when Thomas moved into faith and into a movement. I opened to John twenty twenty seven, and it's Jesus saying, "Leave your doubt and step into faith, Thomas. Believe." And that's when I was like, "Uh oh, I think I'm onto something." And so, it's called Youth you Ministry twenty twenty seven. All right, you heard it here, after nine listeners. Um, not only is Rock Morgan telling you to hold on to the work and the calling that you are about, but it is a, a movement it, it beyond. Beyond the the doubts that you think are now into a faith that is is real and full of life that would spawn young people into getting up out of their chairs into impacting their their schools their communities and even other parts of the world. That's solid, uh, Brock. Uh, so September, late, late yeah, September, middle September, uh, it's coming out. We've got links in the show notes definitely to check out about that. We will not want to miss that. Uh, and Brock's latest. What, what do you got after that? You got anything you want to share? Like what, what's, what else is in the works? What, what, what's like the latest, what's like the latest kind of thing you're thinking about working well, on? Well, you know, I just finished this book, the man. Come on. <laughs> I do run a conference I know, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> called the Amazing Next Conference. That's, that's all about preparing okay. kids for a movement. And so regions can book it. Awesome. And it's amazing. We just did one in Boston. Okay. We have one actually uh, here in D.C. in October. But uh, it's a traveling conference that could come into your region. So I'm super jazzed about that. And folks need to connect with you on that and get it set up to happen in oh, kind of their you city or region to, area. Uh, BrockMorgan.com. Kind of you can get information about that okay. if you want. That's awesome. So BrockMorgan.com, if they want to connect with you in another way, social media, emails, what's the best way to get a hold of you to follow up both about Youth Ministry 2027, yeah. this interview, and the, the next things you got, got going on? Uh, well, Twitter is one way, uh, at BrockMorgan. And then uh, Instagram, someone stole my name, so I'm at RealBrockMorgan. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and of course, I'm on Facebook. And, uh, you know, whatnot. So, yeah. Well, Brock, thank you for coming on the show today and for sharing your heart, your honesty, the stories of youth ministry, the the legacy of 27 plus years of serving and your continued service and the ways in which you're both sharing about what you have done and what you're working on. I'm excited for the new book. Uh, listeners, make sure to check out the show notes for After9.show for this episode to learn more about what Brock Morgan has going on and for you coming out this fall. There you go. The man is a sage, and he's dropping lines about sages. How wise can that be? If you enjoyed this interview with Brock Morgan, make sure to check out the links in the show notes below or go into after9.show slash 95 
to find out everything about Brock is writing and working on and other ways that you can win more books like his. Again, this is our back to school author series and we have got over $300 worth of books that you can get for free just by liking our page, liking our Twitter. Super easy. Check it out. After9.show slash contest. A-F-T-E-R number nine dot show slash contest. And we'll see you back next week with our buddy Andrew Z. Thanks for listening to After 9. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter or Facebook at After 9 Ministry or visit www.after9ministry.com to subscribe and learn more. Okay, I'm going to take a timeout real quick because that line that kids need sages, they're not threatened by their doubts, is going on my wall. Thank you. <laughs> kids need sages, not threatened by their doubts. Uh, a book in eight words by Rock Morgan.